This case study is of a triathlete, Ben. And if you listen to one of our recent case studies with Beth, Ben is actually Beth's partner. And we spoke about how Beth saw the training that Ben was doing and jumped on not long after him because she loved exactly what she was seeing. And with both of them seeing massive improvements in the last six months, we thought we'd better do a case study on Ben as well. And the title here is that Ben has improved 66 watts on the bike in the 20-minute FTP test. But the truth is he has been unreal in all three disciplines. And we'll talk about his bike and that improvement, but also he's running better off the bike now and in half marathons than he was running fresh 10Ks before he joined us. So as always, we'll go through his stats, what training we've done. But Dad, take us through, where was Ben as an athlete when he first joined? Yeah, to be fair, Ben's an absolutely enthusiastic uh, young guy who really wants to improve across uh, everything he does in swim, bike and run. And uh, he was so motivated when he uh, contacted us that he, he was actually thinking about doing ultra distance running uh, as his goal. And we had a fair bit of a discussion about that. And I... I kind of directed him away from that a little bit to try and give him a little bit more uh, endurance into his body before he actually went and did those 50, 100K trail runs. And ultimately, he wants to do an Ironman. Um, so so or- originally, the discussion was around, you know, endurance uh, running. And and I really, when I looked at the, the stuff he'd been doing before he joined us, that there was a, because he's a shift worker, he's a, he's an ambulance driver. It's got really variations in work times. So it's really hard to coordinate, uh, when you're doing it by yourself, um, uh, when to train and, and, uh, what days to do it. And because you've only got certain days where you've got more time and then other days you have no time. Um, you know, as, as a shift worker, as an ambo, you've, you've got days where you've only got one hour to, to do some training. Um, and the rest of the time is working or sleeping. So it is really difficult to to manage a program like that um, when you're doing that by yourself. You know, do I do hard sessions or, you know, and when do I recover? And because you've got four days free, four days rostered off, you're trying to cram everything into those four days and, and you know, you're just messing with your recovery. And yeah, so it was really uh, great that he reached out and we started with just basically trying to get um, some consistency consistency into his training program and with the goal that he might uh, aim for a marathon um, and then switch back to triathlon. Um, and that's been the journey so far since he started with us in uh, March. So he, he really was craving some training structure, which I guess most of us are. Uh, what else was he missing in terms of um, what was he, what do you feel like was letting him down? Uh, actually, what sessions to do. Um, yeah, he, he didn't know anything about really training to power except for what he'd heard on our podcast ironically um so he was he was really trying to implement that but but really just didn't know what sessions to do that were going to help him improve his uh bike riding and and what sessions to do as a runner specifically what should i be doing each time i run you wake up and say i'll just go for a run or i'll just go for a ride um knowing full well that he should be doing some sort of intensity but just lost as to how that program should look um uh, what the, the session should look like and that what should look like the next day. Uh, so that, that were kind of frustrations, I suppose, that he was having. Um, and, and really it was a, such a relief for him to have to wake up each day and know that today I'm doing this because the coach has told me that if I do this today, then I'll have these days following it with the right sessions, uh, knowing that I'm not putting myself into the ground uh, by training too hard or not training hard enough. 
Yeah, for sure. And the beauty uh, of his position is that he actually had a lot of data pre-signing up to us, which always helps us because one, it gives you a great indication, you know, as a coach, uh, what they've done previously and a bit more specifics about their background because if there's more data to look at, the data doesn't lie, the numbers don't lie. Um, whereas a lot of people do come to us without ever using something like training speaks before they don't have a power meter. So their first use of power meter is often the, the first session or the first FTP test they do. And that's, that's the benchmark. That's the starting point, but we've been able to see what he was doing previously and compare that to now. So if we look at some stats, uh, we will just start with kind of the stats when you, from his first FTP test with us, you know, his 20 minute result was 215 Watts, which gives you an FTP at a estimated FTP of 204. We're really going to hone in on that estimated point. And basically, he's now at an F- estimated FTP of 270. Um, or his best 20 minutes is 284. So depending on which ones you're looking at, it's a 66 to 69 watt improvement over six months. And uh, that is just absolutely outrageous. And we'll focus on the bike before we move on to the run. Um, but that, some of that previous data we were talking about is looking at his speed. And so, um, you know, in previous triathlon races uh, in, you know, 15 to 20K sort of efforts, uh, so well under an hour, uh, he was averaging 28 to 29 kilometers per hour. And his speed now, actually last week, he just did a 60-minute time trial. And he averaged 37-ish Ks an hour. So when we talk about these FTP numbers, it's great to hear you know, a 66-watt improvement, but it's even more important to hear what that actually results to on the road and how much faster you're actually going uh, with that improvement. Yeah, and uh, that's, the, that's the thing that makes sense to people. You know, you can just yell out numbers 300 watts, 200 watts, 150 watts. They don't really mean anything. But when you align it to speed, people understand what 30Ks an hour is. People understand what 40Ks an hour is. And you only have to watch the World Tour riders who ride a time trial at 55Ks an hour. That just seems out of this world. But if someone said 400 watts, you would just go, well, that seems a lot, but doesn't have any perspective. And so the average speed, it, it, that is what's more important. The power is how you get the speed, but the actual average speed in racing is what we're trying to do. We're trying to get from point A to point B as quick as we can. And the average speed that you're doing is a result of the power you're putting in, the effort you're putting in. And and that is a really important number to look at. And and to be fair, 60 minutes he did, I think, 35.5 Ks an hour, and he did 20-minute FTP test at 38 k's an hour, so so we're really we're really looking at you know his best 60 minutes was if he's in an, uh, an Olympic distance that would be around 40 k or you know not everybody can ride 60 uh, 40 k in 60 minutes but you know 40 k has got somewhere between 60 minutes and an hour 30 for most people depending on your ability and you know generally he's been riding that that uh, 40 k at an hour 20 and now he he can ride that. 40k around 65 minutes if we if we rounded off the distance he traveled in 60 minutes would be about 30 35k so so they're numbers that that make sense to people and and then you get a realization of well that you know that's probably 5k's an hour faster than what he could do and admittedly this is this is not in a triathlon so we're only comparing 60 minute efforts with 60 minute efforts and 20 minute efforts with 20 minute efforts but but when you look at his his uh, Olympic distance races that he's done since he started with us as compared to what he was doing before in, a, in an Olympic distance race, he's a, able to average three or four kilometers an hour faster now than he could before he started with us. So that's, that's three or four Ks an hour, you know, over 20 minutes or, or 60 minutes is that's a, that's a long way further up the road. You know, I would be probably 2k ahead of myself if I could ride 3 or 4k's an hour faster 
And that's how you think about it. I would be way up the road compared to where I am here. And, and they're the things that are fun to look at. And, you know, especially after you've just done an event where you've smashed your swim PB, you've smashed your ride PB, you've smashed your run PB um, in, a, in a race and you've smashed your actual individual times and efforts for those, for those legs. So we're not talking, you know, fresh. We're talking you're smashing your, your fresh numbers in a race. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's also great to just a reminder of people why you want to test regularly because if you look at his, his test in March, it was 215 watts for 20 minutes and then in May, it was 235 and then in June, it was 250 and in September, it was 284. So, it was a nice you know, progression there to look at and it's just you're really stoked every time you're seeing that number go up every single test and I think that's the response he had to you where he just says it just keeps going up, you know, every single every single time. And you, you've got to be uh, understanding too the you know, it's great to have feedback to see improvement. But imagine if we just kept training at 215 watts from March till September and never tested. Where's the improvement going to come from? Because once we test at 215, we spend the next block of training, training at that number. And then we test again. And all of a sudden, he's gone from 215 to 235. So now we adjust all the fit numbers in his next three weeks of training around 235. And that's why he gets to 250 after another three weeks of training because we're actually changing the sessions to match the fitness that he's at. And if we had a left it at 215, he would still be riding around 215 or 220 or 225 instead of 280. And and that's the another really good reason as to why it's important to keep measuring where you're at. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he might have got that initial improvement that takes him to 230, but then he'd plateau from there because there's just no overload. So, if we move on to the run, um, it's interesting because we've been training for different things. You know, we don't, and you'll make a point about the 10K time trial, but, but some, some key stats we want to point out is that he's just recently done a 5K time trial off the bike. Um, and he actually beat his fresh 5K time trial from six months ago by 20 or 25 seconds. And that's a sign of, of good triathlon training and someone who's uh, ready to perform well in a triathlon because really, you do want your fresh um, you know, 5K PB example and your, your 5K off the bike to be as close as possible. You don't want a massive gap there. Yeah, and that's one of the things I tell all athletes. Our aim is to see if we can match what our fresh 5 or 10K or half marathon is in an actual race. That's not easy to do. And that's a sign that you are really developing good uh, running fitness. And the minute you can get that closer to your PB fresh, that you know you are actually at, at your top end of your ability and or, or your fresh uh, uh, execution needs revisiting because it's it's actually probably better than than what it, what it's indicating at the moment because you shouldn't be able to run the same fresh as you can off the bike that they should be different but our goal is to get them close um, so so we've got to find out what you do fresh so that we can actually uh, use that as a benchmark and then adjust it to the fatigue factor from the swim and the bike before it. So so fresh numbers are important, um, but they're really good comparisons. And we use that a lot in the evidence that we collect to, to give predictions as to the percentage difference between what you can do as a fresh runner as what you can do in a race. And and seeing his numbers uh, go from, from, you know, a half marathon, I think he was in space of six months, and he was training for a marathon. So, I think his improvement was nearly six minutes over over a half marathon from from when he started to 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 only halfway through that program. So we, you know, we haven't really tested uh, that half marathon again um, with a with a race situation. I'm sure it would be way faster than what it is already. So that six minutes was sort of uh, from March to May, 
and now we're in September. So I can imagine that number Next has changed. That. Yeah, exactly. And that's a, there's some two really uh, funny kind of things to point out here because yeah, his half marathon PB was about the 142 mark, and yeah, he did a 137 in May, which is a five minute improvement. But he also did a 25 kilometer session that you did him, which is obviously in training for the marathon. Uh, but he ran a 137 in that 25k, you know, in a training session. So that's really important to point out. And um, you said that when we we're talking about this episode, you said, "Oh, well, because um, the 10k time trials haven't aligned with the goal of the race. You know, you haven't actually done one, but you know, normally in a, in a triathlon program, probably would have done more 10k time trials because he's obviously going to do a PP. Because before he came, his PB was 46 minutes, um, and in fact, just today he did a running tempo session, um, and he's run a 10k PB of 43 minutes in a tempo session. And mind you, this was a tempo session with rest, so it was four by eight minutes." With two minutes rest, you just you're just trying to get him to run this tempo kind of pace, and it's funny that we use the word tempo because um, it's training him for his marathon tempo. Um, but he's he's ended up doing a 10k PB, and that just shows the progression of his running and how much better of a runner he is um, now because that's a comfortable pace for him. And that just shows again that if we did a 10k time trial flat out, the improvement would probably be a lot bigger. Yeah, it would be somewhere around the 40 to 41 and a half minutes, and you know from a 46 minute 10k. Six months ago, I'd be over the moon if I could improve my 10K by five or six minutes. Um, and that's the reality. That's where you've got perspective of, wow, this really works. And, and you know, to be fair, Ben was doing the best he could prior to be coming on board with us. But, but the consistency that we give him in his program and, and his confidence and trust, knowing that uh, each day he wakes up that he's got a specific session to do. And when you get the results of improvement, you are more – in on the program. You you buy into the program way more than if you're actually not not getting the results you want. And and for both Beth and Ben um, being partners, they're actually very competitive in the house to see who's improving the most. And and you know that's that's great fun, but you you are you are going to get that because you are consistent. And the the more you can understand the consistency is the key. Uh, the sessions are very important the particular order of the sessions, the recovery you have, but you need to, to maintain that consistency. And if that's the one thing I could point out that he's done differently, there were sessions before he joined us where I could see clearly that, you know, there were lots of gaps in in what he was doing and there was no really um, structure with intensity and recovery. And before we finish off with kind of some specifics around his training structure, I mean, just to your point then, um, how is Ben feeling now and how is he been feeling about his progression? Yeah, he's just over the moon and every time he comes to a end of a training block, instead of um, fearing the, the testing period, he's embraced it to see what he can do. Um, and and that's the mental attitude that I'm really trying to instill in people to not have a fear factor about um, what's happening in the testing period because you get some recovery in the testing period and, and then you line up and measure yourself against uh, what you've previously done and you're using your data from what you've previously done as your starting point. And if you've had a good training block and you know yourself whether you've nailed the training two or three-week block that you've just had, if you've had no uh, inconsistency there and you've nailed most of the sessions, you go in super confident. But the minute you have periods where you've not been able to train the way you want, there's doubt in your mind. And we're trying to find a couple of things here. We're trying to find whether you're staying the same, whether you're improving or you've, whether you've regressed. And therefore, we can train properly for the next period. But we're also trying to find how well can you execute with the form you've currently got. And execution is really key to when it comes to race day. So practicing this in your 
in your actual testing week is really race ready practice for what do I feel and can I do better than I'm, the pace or the power that I'm currently swimming or riding or running at and and then just continually asking yourself through that journey can I improve whilst I'm in the middle of this or is this all I've got and and they're the key things about it's just not one reason for doing this there's many really positive outcomes and and getting your body used to uh, the race stress they're the things that uh, that he now embraces because he knows that uh, it's really important and imperative that he trains accurately now yeah, and to finish off, the shift worker kind of cycle is a real problem for a lot of uh, endurance athletes or triathletes because it doesn't fit a typical mold. Um, can you give us an example of, of how you um, how we broke up the training uh, depending on whether it was day shift, night shift or, or even the four days off where you, you can get some more in because there are shift workers out there that are on an eight-day cycle, on a nine-day cycle or, or a 14-day cycle. So can you give us a bit of a breakdown where you, you try to fit things in and where, you, where you're trying to um, – uh, allow enough recovery so that you're not burning the candle at both ends. Well, even even in shift work, you'll have at least two days off somewhere in seven days, um, generally, and that's a generalisation. So you've got to actually maximise those two days. If they're a Tuesday and a Thursday, or or Monday, Tuesday, or Thursday, Friday. You know, that's why you've got a coach. So you can manipulate the week so that the, the endurance days are, are going to be used on those days where you have off. And if it ends, you know, the normal not, uh, Monday to Friday worker has Saturday, Sunday, and it's a, it's a no-brainer. You've just got your endurance days there. But, but when it happens to fall on a, a Tuesday and a Wednesday, we have to be really careful what happens before the Tuesday. And that, that has to be sort of an easy day. And if the, if the, the two days off you have is, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, then the Friday has to be some sort of recovery. Just because you might have three days in a row off or four days in a row off, such as what happens to Ben, the temptation is you've got all this time is to do more training. And and that's that's good in some ways because you've got more time to do it and more time to recover. But it's also bad because you end up doing too much and then you end up actually being exhausted. So it is a really hard thing to get right and, and needs a lot of attention to detail. Yeah, and then I guess that, that really covers the endurance in terms of any high-intensity work. Um, you, you are trying to fit them in around um, your normal work days as anyone would, but uh, I guess it's, it's ma- making sure you're managing that um, you are recovering outside of that as well as not doing too many hard days in a row. Yeah, and uh, you know there are some days where I have to say to Ben, you know, you've just done a long endurance uh, run, and tomorrow, you know, because you've only got limited time, we actually have to do uh, a high intensity ride, and that doesn't happen that often. But but because your schedule in the next five days doesn't allow us to fit this session in anywhere else, we have to do that, and and then the next day becomes really recovery where he actually does something really easy like a 30 minute recovery run or or something like that so so you're really having to look ahead and and keep keep uh, an eye on what's what's happening ahead so as a as a shift worker he would send me his four week shifts uh, so I would know what's happening ahead, where his RDO days are and where his uh, days where he's got the least amount of time so it enables me to really work as his coach um, around that schedule and the last point we kind of really wanted to mention, this is, this is quite important and we really want to um, point this out, is that there was you recently gave him a 60-minute um, bike time trial uh, and it's really important to do this and not just do the 20-minute test and it highlighted an area of improvement for Ben and that was um, the, the when you do a 20-minute test, you'll get a number and then that gives you your predicted FTP, which is your predicted, 60 minute, predicted power you can ride for 60 minutes. And then when Ben did a 60-minute time trial, 
his result was actually 30 watts lower than the predicted FTP. And that is a big argument against FTP tests, but we really don't mind this because this is expected uh, for the athlete that Ben has been and with the, you know, starting this training structure, he's still at the, the quote-unquote beginner stage. Um, so it's great to be able to see this gap because you know that it's probably expected for the type of athlete he is and he's got a lot of uh, areas uh, or this is a big area to actually grow. And the more training we do and, you know, this is the goal over the next one to two years is to become an athlete where those numbers actually, that gap closes just like uh, the gap needs to close between, you know, your fresh PB and your, your PB off the bike, your running PB off the bike. Um, the more he improves as an athlete, the fitter he gets and the stronger he gets, the more that 20-minute test will be closer to that um, or the FTP number of the 20-minute test will be closer to the actual 60-minute number. And um, I think that we do really want to point that out because most beginner athletes would, would see a bigger gap. Um, but if you're a more experienced athlete and that gap is still there, then you're, you're really missing an area. And this is something that he can definitely improve on. Yeah, and there's specific sessions that will help uh, bridge that gap. And it, it is common that most people's best 20-minute and then their predicted FTP from that best 20 minutes is way higher than their actual if they went out and did a 60-minute time trial. And that's why we do that, so that we can show the athlete that, you know, this is what the FTP is predicting. But but when you actually went and did 60 minutes, you were nowhere near it. And and that that's kind of a shocking feeling for them, but it's also something they can work on where, you know, it was 20 watts difference between his, his um, 60 minute uh, best power compared to his predicted um, off the FTP. So, so we've got work to do with being able to hold that, uh, that 250 watts uh, number for the hour. And that, that's what our goal is to try to, to try to get used to that. And we, we're doing sessions that are going to help uh, get his body to cope with, with riding at that number so that when it comes to race day, whether it's an Olympic distance with a 40k ride, he can actually know the number that he's capable of doing for 60 minutes. And whether he does an hour 10 or an hour 20 or an hour 5 for that 40k, we can just subtract some watts according to adjustment for, for the extra time he's going to be doing that 40k. So, so the goal is always to have that aspiration to match those. And the guys at the pointy end of who can, you know, who can really nail uh, the FTP number and their 60 minutes to be as close as possible. And that's the elite guys. Uh, that's what everybody should be aiming for. Yeah, for sure. And um, it's really important to understand that, yeah, for an athlete starting out in the training program, we're just trying to maximize that top end, you know, and a 66-watt improvement at that top end in 20 minutes is unreal. And then, yeah, when you're getting closer to thinking about your your um, Olympic races, your half Ironmans, your Ironmans, you know, the, it's, it's about that strength and overall fitness to be able to hold that power uh, or as close to that power for longer. And that's where a difference in sessions comes in compared to, you know, such high-intensity VO2 max work compared to, you know, some longer tempo threshold or sub-threshold sessions where you're, you're holding, you know, close to that um, FTP number or between you know, a range of, set, let's say, 75 to 95% of it, and depending on the style of session and the structure of the session for long periods, you know, they become four by 10 minute efforts or even four by 20 minute efforts where you drop the power or even longer in an Ironman case. So it's good to provide that example. Yeah. And, and also, if we had tested his 60 minutes, and I don't do this at the beginning of most people's program because it is a real hard thing to do, 60 minutes at threshold. So that's why the 20 minute is is used as a common tool. So knowing that his 60 minute has progressed the same as his 20 minute. So if, if we had a test, well, we have tested him in races, um, you know, his 60 minutes is, is, you know, 180 watts and now it's 250. 
So, you know, it's gone up the same way as the 20-minute has. So it's not like that's been left behind. It's just it's just still behind um, the 20-minute. So so the progress is there, and that's because he's been able to nail those those endurance sessions and those, uh, you know, those particular VO2 and threshold sessions that we've been given to him in his program. Yeah. Any last thoughts before we finish off? No, I, I just love these case studies because, you know, it just sounds like we're, we're just everybody we talk about is improving, and that's actually true. <laughs> um, and and it's not just uh, elite people who are improving. It's it's people who are starting the, their journey as a triathlete or as a marathon runner or as a cyclist. Um, everybody starts somewhere and, um, you know, it is expected that if you do reasonable pro- proper training with structure that you will improve, but that's not necessarily the case. Um, so the people who actually do the work get the results that we're, that we're showing and talking about. The people who are doing half – versions of programs they're getting half the results and and the correlation between uh nailing nailing the program structure as it's written and doing a version of it are very high and and i want to really point that out to people that's that's the conclusion i'm getting is the people who are able to stay consistent uh get the best outcomes and these are examples we've got many more examples we can keep doing these case studies of and and the same the same result is is happening because they are actually understanding and taking taking ownership of their own destiny and knowing their numbers and doing the research about what they're at at the moment and what the next training session's asking them and and these are all the things we talk about in our podcast um, that people are actually doing and getting these results and it's it's a privilege to talk about our athletes uh, and I love it when when they do another test and we just have a great texting uh, or conversation about oh, how fantastic was it and 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 their enthusiasm for what they've just achieved is is like you know winning a race um it's it's so much fun when things are going well and you're executing and performing great way to finish and we will keep doing these case studies every week because we like them we've had some great feedback so far people really like hearing the specific examples of how the coaching advice especially that we talk about in the, the normal weekly podcast actually applies to specific athletes so we will keep doing them we really enjoy them and we hope you do too and we'll see you in the next episode 